Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I am Chris, and I'm here with Patrick. Hello. And I'm here with Steven. Yo. And we have assembled again this week to discuss the Japanese Netflix original ZOM 100, Bucket List of the Dead. But before we get into that, we like to do a little catch up and talk about what we've been viewing or reading or gaming outside of the podcast that is horror related. So anything you have to, uh, anyone, would anyone like to report on what sort of spooky things they've been consuming lately and maybe make some recommendations for our listeners? Me, me, I want to go first. Oh, okay, Steven. Steven, uh, you may speak. <laughs> I, I've got a, I've got a bunch of stuff this time, and I always say I'll go through it really quick, and I never do. But I really am going to try. Uh, I saw Night Swim, <laughs> and holy, holy shit, it is bad. It's one of the. It's like it's like Amon screw it bad. Like, is I it, can't oh. believe. I can't believe this thing got made in the shape that it was in. So, if you don't, I was going to say sometimes bad is good. A lot of times bad is good. You but know I sometimes love sometimes bad is bad. Learn that from Huey Lewis and the news. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is the Haunted Swimming Pool movie, the latest from Blumhouse. And, like, the my biggest problem with this, I'll say one nice thing, okay? It is shot really beautifully. And, like, the stuff in the pool looks really cool uh, for the most part um, until the CGI monsters show up. And I won't explain what those are like or what oh. they look like. But, but yeah, this is a uh, uh, yeah, tentacles. There's no, no, there's no tentacles uh, okay. in this movie. Okay, so how do you even talk about this thing? It's a haunted swimming pool movie, which sounds like I want to giggle just saying that. The problem is, so this is Blumhouse. They made Mithrigan last year, which I thought <laughs> did a pretty okay job of blending a ridiculous concept with a healthy amount of camp. This movie doesn't seem to know whether or not it's funny. It's very hard to describe. I mean, this is a movie that has references to pools and swimming in scenes that don't even involve pools like people are obsessed with this pool sometimes in like an irrational way as if they're being possessed but but more often than not it's just really bad screenwriting and they're trying to like tie everything together thematically except pool is not really a theme um, i guess it could be you know if you're if we're talking barbie or something i kept thinking of the way ken talks about beach in that <laughs> uh this thing like there was a Marco Polo hide and seek chase scene at the end, near the end of it that's supposed to be scary. There's nothing scary about playing Marco Polo, and I'm going to tell you that this this movie doesn't even doesn't even really attempt or achieve making it scary. That sounds great. It sounds you, great. Your review has made me more likely to see this movie. <laughs> I, I I would say see it, but try not to spend money on it. And I I honestly think you'll be disappointed. It's biggest crime. I'm I'm like not even coherent talking about it. My brain is all over the place. But it's just it's kind of boring. It's dull. And I think with a punch up, it could have been really funny, and it could have become like a new midnight 
cult classic, but it takes itself too seriously. And after about 45 minutes, when you start learning what's going on, it just starts rapidly falling apart. Like, I can't think of the last time I walked out of a movie with so many questions about the basic mechanics of what was going on. And when that starts happening and you start noticing plot holes and things that are unresolved, it, it, it it's distracting, right? Do they um is there like pool chemistry and maintenance involved in this movie? <laughs> okay. Here I'll I'll give you I'll give you a little morsel from this movie cuz that's a great question. Oh my god, this is so stupid. So Because again, like here's why I ask because I did a video project of so, like a sort of a how-to on pool maintenance and I was wrapped. I was like, this is actually really interesting. I kind of want to quit my job and make a career change and become a pool guy. And the little like chemical samples they do, I can see like a, like a scene, like the thing where they're like mixing the chemicals and seeing what color they change in the test tube. And then there's a ghost's face on the glass. I wish this movie were that imaginative. There, there are actually so many like stones left unturned as far as like jokes or like concepts that you could make around a pool. Like, there's nothing about waiting 30 minutes, you know, after you eat to get in the pool. That would have been hilarious if somebody gets pushed in too early and then they drown because they didn't, uh, they didn't wait 30 minutes. That that would have been funny. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know. So you, it wasn't funny when you said it. Yeah. Well, it's funnier than most of what happens in this movie. But okay. So here's here's a good here's a good example of like why this movie is confusing to watch because you can't tell if it's a comedy or not or if it's camp or not. One, you've got Wyatt Russell, who's a great comedic actor in the lead, and he's impossible to take seriously in this with that that lovable dopey face of his. Um, there's wait. A scene you said where, in in what? What? Oh, what is he a comedic actor in? Um, I just know him from Lodge Forty Nine. Oh, okay. I don't even know what that is. He delivers some lines that are like, is this comedy or not? I I can't tell because he's trying his best to be serious, but he's incapable of it. Then a pool maintenance tech shows up when they get this house, and he's played by Ben Sinclair from the show High Maintenance, one of my favorite comedy shows ever. I think, oh my God, there's a comedian, a funny guy in this. No, it should have been Henry Thomas. It should (laughs) have been Henry Thomas. So he explains that the pool is... Oh my god, the pool is well fed. The water comes from a well. But also uh. it's well fed, get it? Because people die in the pool. Except the joke doesn't land to the point that I don't even know if it was supposed to be a joke or if it's just an accident that they had to make sense that the water was coming from elsewhere so it's well fed and they didn't realize that there's an opportunity for a pun there. It's a fucking disaster. Uh, cue it. I... <laughs> I love how you said it's a Amon screw it and then you ended your review by saying cue it. Uh, okay, uh I uh by the time this comes out there's only one episode of the curse left. Um this is the Nathan Fielder, Emma Stone, Benny Safty show that is nine episodes in and I still can't tell if it's horror, but every episode, including the penultimate episode, ends with something that is at least emotionally disturbing. And I think this episode takes the cake. I can't wait to find out where this lands. I feel like somebody's got to die in this show. I'm expecting a death or two in the last episode. And then, uh, oh, I saw Saltburn. That's horror adjacent. And I really quite liked it. I had a great time with it. I think there's about 15 minutes toward the end that perhaps could have been cut out and it would have been a better movie and still made enough sense to work. But um, lots of lots of good gross out gags in that one. 
Uh, if you want to see somebody fuck a grave, there's your movie. <laughs> and Damn. save that for the spoiler room. No, I mean, I'm, all of America has seen that movie in the week since it came on America, uh, America Prime, Amazon Prime. And at the beginning of the movie, I, I haven't I, seen that movie. I bet you probably couldn't guess who's fucking whose grave. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of movie. Uh, you'll never look at a drain the same way again either. Um, and then over on the uh, the book club, this is kind of weird timing because when this episode comes out, we will have just the day before had a discussion about uh, Brian Evanson's short story collection, Fugue State, uh, which at, at this moment I still need to finish because I've been way too fucking busy. But I'll announce it here first. Our next pick is also going to be an anthology um, and a pretty brand spank new one. Uh, it's called Out There Screaming, edited by Jordan Peele. And it is an anthology of mm. all new original black horror stories. Patrick, I think you'll be especially excited because Ezra Clayton Daniels has a story in this. Mm, nice. You can easily get this from your local library. It's I forget the publisher, but it's a big one. But also, if you have Spotify Premium, you can listen to it for free. So that's my long, incoherent ramble. Uh, Patrick, any horror in your life since we last talked? Yeah, you know, I also took a trip to the cinema since last we spoke and saw Poor Things, which uh, also kind of ties into our recent uh, viewing of The Killing of a Sacred Deer, also from uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, the same director. It was amazing. Honestly, just one of my favorite movies of last year it's so fucking weird it's weird even for lanthimos like it feels like nothing else of his that i've seen it's very colorful in kind of an eerie lurid way that's very uh reminiscent of like early tim burton back when tim burton was good or like terry gilliam and just a really wonderful singular film very sex positive very sex work positive but all in a uh kind of grounded still very grounded and i want to say kind of unglamorous sort of way it's very funny very disturbing just uh an incredibly unique creative vision um that i would recommend to just about anyone as long as you're not a fucking prude about seeing sex i guess on screen which apparently like the whole generation uh behind us is like there's all this conversation happening online the fucking uh gen zers are afraid of sex they 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 think that if it oh i thought you meant like older generation oh the zoomers are afraid of poor things interesting oh yeah there's this whole conversation happening online about how like sex shouldn't be in movies because it doesn't advance the plot and everything that's in a movie has to advance the plot and it's like well sometimes sex can reveal something about a character yeah um and and sometimes it's just fun to look at yeah interesting Mm-hmm. But yeah, poor things. Definite view it with prejudice for me. My favorite of Lanthimos's films that I've seen. Um, also been uh, reading along with Fugue State with Stephen and the Book Club. That's been a bit of a mixed bag for me. A few stories really blew me away, and yeah. others uh, fell fell a bit flat. But always enjoy chatting books with you, Stephen, and the rest of the gang on Discord. And also, I've been uh, kind of in Chris territory lately. I've been gaming like a motherfucker and have torn my way through the entirety of the first Alan Wake since last we met. Really, really enjoyed that. Just, you know, great horror vibes, great kind of David Lynch, Twin Peaks uh, energy. And I appreciated sort of the uh, appropriately 
frustrating gameplay because you're just a normal dude with a fucking gun and a flashlight and you are as limited as you would be in real life if you were a normal dude with a gun and a flashlight trying to face down shadow people. It constantly kind of forced me to rethink my strategy in the combat moments and gave me a lot of eerie, fun, Stephen Kingy, David Lynchy kind of stuff along the way. So uh, really looking forward to moving through that little shared universe and trying out Control next and eventually getting to Alan Wake 2, even though that's expensive as fuck right now. So I might put off that purchase for a little bit. But Alan Wake, you know, many people have said good things about it, but I'll add my voice to the chorus. Chris, are you, you're still midway through Alan Wake 2, I know, right? Yeah, I am. I don't have much more to say about that. Um, but I also haven't been to the cinema lately. I also haven't read anything lately. I did rewatch Event Horizon this week, and nice. here's what here's what I'll say about that. When I saw Event Horizon the first time, which is the only other time I've seen it, it chilled me. I think I think hell is scary. I think the premise of that movie is scary. And I remembered, like, when I, whenever I thought of Event Horizon, I thought of a very specific image that made my blood run cold. This time, watching the movie, it wasn't in the movie. And so I turned to Google. Oh. I couldn't find it on Google. It's a movie that subliminally conjured up an image to me and made me afraid of it. <laughs> Love that. Tell us about the image. Oh, it was like a it was like a landscape of a like a hellish planet. Um, oh, you're thinking of Spawn. No, <laughs> I'm not thinking of Spawn. That'd be <laughs> funny though. Um, but it, so you know, Event Horizon it has its warts and it has its cheese and it has its charm. But credit to any movie that's about people having eerie visions actually giving me an eerie vision yeah that wasn't actually in the film so yeah it's a cursed what can film. I say? nice well what the hell did we watch this week we watched zom 100 bucket list of the dead and you know i meant to do some research bucket list uh i'm sure that's the american title for it um bucket list of the i think the term bucket list only dates back to the movie the bucket list is that correct I had no. the same thought. No, I had I never heard is. of it. Because they, they have to explain it in the trailer to the movie, right? Yes. No way. That has to go back further. No, the I'm reading the Wikipedia for the bucket list right now, and it says that the writer, Justin Zackham, coined the expression bucket list after he wrote his own list of things to do before I kick the butt bucket and shorted it to Justin's bucket list. The first item on his list was to get a film made at a major studio. And then the bucket list was that film. Wow. I I cuz I remember like when that movie came out I was like the bucket list. What does that mean? And mm-hmm. then after that movie came out, which was 2007 by the way. Wow. So this is a recent phrase. Uh then you started hearing it, you know, elsewhere in the vernacular. But um, wow, I always thought that, that was interesting. Wild. Yeah. I mean, good for him for like creating a term that's like just entered the yeah, the popular lexicon so much. I literally used it in a like staff introduction thing that I had to put together for work. 
yesterday. Like it is, it is, it is a term that's understood by all, thanks to Morgan Freeman and Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Jack, Jack, both, both Jack of whom. Um, <laughs> I, I hope that they've got their bucket list completed. That's all <laughs> I'll say about that. <laughs> Well, I, if it's I worry to see about every every Knicks game front row. Then Jack every Nicholson day has completed his list. <laughs> yeah, every day. I think uh, I think uh, we're getting closer to Jack Nicholson leaving. Well, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, every day since he was born, we have. Right. Been. <laughs> also, I'm sorry. I said I said that weird because I was distracted by by Stephen <laughs> saying he goes to Knicks games. Doesn't he? No, he goes to like for the Knicks are in New York. He goes to I think he go I think his team is the Lakers. Oh, you're right. It's the Lakers. I know nothing about sports. Unless he's a Clippers fan, but I think he's a Lakers. I just went to an NBA game this week. Did you know that? No. Yeah. First time I've ever been to an NBA game. Had a great time. Love the NBA. I love bas- I love basketball. I love the NBA more than I like horror movies on Netflix. Holy shit. Can we talk about the movie we're here to talk about? All right. Well, <laughs> we're beating around the bush. Zom 100 based again on the popular manga that we that I feel like we've done a couple of these now. We, they take a manga series that spans 10 years or something. Then they condense it to an anime that spans that spans like two years, and then they make a live action film that condenses it even further. And then we say we're gonna watch that live action film. So, so three years. No, wait, five years for the manga. Okay, and just a few months. Actually, the anime is very new. This okay. came out last year. That's weird, actually. The film came out just a month after the anime series did. That's unusual. And from what I understand, this film has uh, the same premise, of course, but then it also is it's it's sort of an a, a amalgamation of what we what the storylines are than various other iterations of the franchise. So it involves a young man, young Japanese man named Tendo. And he has a his like he's got his dream job as like a low level marketing guy at a marketing and commercial production studio. The only problem is his job is working him to death. He's pulling back to back all nighters. The corporate culture is very uh, grindy, and he is frustrated by his conditions but he can't leave his job because it's all he knows and then one day he wakes up to find that the zombie apocalypse has happened and he doesn't have to go to work so he says what am i going to do with my all my free time and so he makes a list of his his zombie bucket list things i want to do before i turn into a zombie and he sets out to write a hundred things down he only writes i think maybe 14 in the course of the movie yeah uh but high at the top of his list is reuniting with his best friend who he had an argument with shortly before the zombie outbreak saving his life and then kind of rekindling that friendship and then they go on a series of other minor adventures some of them for their own fun things that they've always wanted to do and then some adventures of more consequence uh, along the way they meet a beautiful young street savvy loner woman who accompanies them for part of that journey 
And that is the setup of your movie. Did you like it? <laughs> I got your say, movie. This movie felt a lot like just crossing off items on a list. It was very, oh, we very literal mention, in its premise. <laughs> I don't know if it was conveyed in the way I explained the plot. It's a comedy. Um, or it's yeah. ostensibly a comedy. So it's, it's it's in the horror comedy vein. This isn't a serious, scary zombie movie. Although there are some moments that are, you know, semi-spooky or semi-shocking, semi-gory. Um, it's it's lighthearted fare. A zomcom, a horror zomedy. Oh, God. did you coin that yourself? <laughs> I'm pretty sure zomcom was coined by somebody whenever uh, Warm Bodies came out. But horror zomedy is my own... Uh, creation okay the next next that i'm sure no one has used anywhere ever before yeah yeah (laughs) no i found this delightful i did not really know where it was going what the premise was but i i liked the first you know sort of reveal of the basic concept here is lol this is a liberating experience to be amongst the zombie apocalypse i don't think i've seen that concept before you know it's always like the grim and gritty how are we going to survive the apocalypse and i thought it was sort of charming some some charming low-key anti-capitalist themes especially in japan which has arguably a more fucked up like work culture than we do even i liked this basic concept of this guy basically finally getting his freedom from the collapse of society and deciding to set out and go do the shit that he's been wanting to do, including just simple things like having a cookout on the rooftop of his apartment building and, you know, like cooking a steak and then realizing idiot that he is, that he doesn't have like seasoning around for it and having to run to the fucking convenience store to go get seasoning. I don't know. It was, it's a little meandering. I feel like I'm reviewing it already, but also like, fundamentally it's it's a fairly slight film you know it's it's a little meandery um but i found it charming and fun yeah and i think i've said this before on our show about the zombie genre but i mean i think that the western zombie movies are movies about people getting to do whatever they want it's just that what we really all really want to do apparently is kill other people with firearms. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that the zombie genre is sort of a wish fulfillment for people who want to shoot people with no consequences. And Japan doesn't quite have the same culture around guns and shooting people that we do. So it's a little charming to see that. And there's a zombie apocalypse. There's not a gun in this entire movie. The kid's just like, oh, I get to go to the store and set off fireworks now. <laughs> like, you know, that's kind of, I get to set off fireworks downtown. Yeah. Use my use my Bluetooth speaker to distract zombies. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I you've you've expressed that take on Western zombie movies before. I don't I don't wholly disagree. I think zombie movies here have a little more to do just with anxiety about social collapse in general. I doesn't they they don't generally strike me as wish fulfillment or like anybody wanting that to happen. Whereas th- this was interesting to me because it seemed more like, yeah, bring on the collapse of <laughs> of capitalism. We'll have a better time, basically. Oh, there's a lot of people out there in America who want that, and they all got guns. <laughs> I mean, they don't I want the to... collapse of capitalism, though. Those people love capitalism. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I may be too cynical. Who's to say? I don't, I don't. Again, I don't think your take is wrong. I think that certainly is an undercurrent. But I think, to me, what I see more often in, in Western zombie movies is, yeah, just sort of that fear of of social collapse. 
There's the fear, but also there is, a, I, I think I'm, I, I like Chris's take. I mean, think about like the zombie survival guide that came out like 20 yeah. years ago. When we which, were in high school. <laughs> exactly. Which, which, which I remember is basically being like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to like be a douche in the apocalypse and like do all the survivals? you know, stuff and, and shoot zombies and, you know, build, build a fortress and everything. Like, I think for, for a lot of like, especially teenage boys at that time, that probably did feel liberating and fun, like probably more fun than writing out a bucket list of like more, more, uh, you know, emotionally fulfilling things that one might want to do. And this is just kind of the, yeah, just a different cultural take on the same impulse. And I, Oh, I'm just sick of zombie movies, guys. We've been here before. There's nothing in this that I haven't seen before. In 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 some film. Right? Uh there there's a couple things I haven't seen before in this film. Well, that's kind of what all, I liked about it was because I, I thought the basic premise was just something I hadn't seen before. I mean, the basic, you know, like zombies running around, what the zombies look like, whatever. Obviously, we've seen that. But the story you build around it is different from anything I'd ever seen before. I'm, I'm kind of interested in, in continuing to go down the rabbit hole of our half-baked takes about the zombie genre, though. Uh, I, I feel like it was about like 20 years ago when, when Stephen describes that the zombie genre sort of had a comeback, right? Zack Snyder came out with his Dawn of the Dead remake, and I think that probably should take credit for kicking things off again. Okay. I don't know yeah, if that was probably wasn't after. too long after that. Walking Dead yeah. was like 2009, 2010, something like that. Yeah. And then we there was uh, 28 Days Later, which mm-hmm. the cool kids liked in high school. I was, I was apparently a cool kid, and yeah. I still am. Um, and Marvel Zombies came out the same time. Mm-hmm. But there, there was a zombie resurgence. I don't know what sparked it, but I think even in Western media, the focus has changed because I mean, I've zombies. I've said this before. The concept kind of bores me, but as a setting, it works for me. And I think that we're getting some better zombie adjacent stories now, even in Western media. I mean, I would even I would even include The Last of Us in this stuff that's more about human experience and human connections and stuff and what you do when the systems collapse around you more so than just like, oh, let's shoot a bunch of zombies, which is kind of how it used to be. Yeah, there and there have been some. I mean, out of every like twenty zombie pieces of zombie media that come out, there's like one that's really surprising. Like I think of One Cut of the Dead as like a revelation. I mm-hmm. it's a movie that had been recommended to me by so many people, and I was so reluctant to watch it just because of the subject matter, because of the fact that it was a zombie movie. I didn't think it would be possible for it to be as um, fresh and exciting and rewarding as it was. Mm-hmm. But 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 otherwise, we, we see a lot of stuff that's just kind of, you know, re- repeating the old tropes, which this also does quite a bit of. I mean, even even if the basic concept of like uh, of like joyful liberation coming from a zombie apocalypse is a, is somewhat novel, it follows a lot of the same beats as every other fucking zombie movie that's ever existed. True. But but for me, that like the the thing that makes this movie enjoyable to an extent is that it has a lot of heart and i mean it's a it's a bit corny but Mm -hmm. you know seeing a zombie film where it's just like 
two dudes rekindling their friendship over a fancy <laughs> meal in a vacant hotel restaurant is a f- nice scene. <laughs> um, and I, I think the execution of this movie is, is pretty bad all over the place, but I did like the friendship between the two and eventually three characters that kind of drives the movie. And I thought that whenever the movie was about that friendship, it was good. And whenever the movie was not about that friendship, I, my eyes glazed over and I almost went to sleep a couple times. <laughs> Yeah, I I enjoyed the the characters. They all felt like you know fairly real people that I got invested in and inve- invested in the yeah certainly corny sometimes cheesy uh, moments along the way. That's all fun. It it, it felt um, you know totally consistent in that way. I I I enjoyed the the goofy over the top kind of long um, sort of sappy reaction shots that you'd get. You know that was all fun. I mean, I went, I didn't enjoy him. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was a little silly, but yeah, sure. Um, the comedy did not work for me, really, and kind of a frustrating way where it seemed like it was trying really hard to be funny, and it was even like setting up good jokes, but then like just something would happen in how it cashed in on the setup where I was like, this is just kind of obnoxious and not funny, or they just totally butchered that one <laughs> or, or like the score is just off slightly enough that it doesn't match like the comedic tone that would seem appropriate for this scene like oh, i'm kind of with you there's a there's a dissonance to to a lot of the attempts at yeah. humor in this not unlike night swim actually guys do you think we'll ever get zombies in our lifetime <laughs> nah no nah i mean not like the george romero zombies no fast zombies um we're gonna get some some (laughs) Zack snyder (laughs) uh we're we're dawn of the dead fast zombies or slow zombies i still haven't seen that they were slow well no i think they were in slow mo i'm sure (laughs) in the in the remake i think they might be fast yeah um Uh, no i don't know there's gotta be someone working on that right on making zombies in real on life. Making a zombie on the bio- biological warfare of um, Yeah. I don't we're know, we're I way more like, likely to see some aliens, I think. Yeah. We're that we're gonna see we're gonna see some aliens before we die. That's that's a fact. Oh, um, better. That's what keeps me alive. That's what gets me up every morning <laughs> is just my faith in, in aliens. Um <laughs> no, I think what's I don't know again, my brain is kinda dead today, but uh I don't know how it's different from any other episode. <laughs> But like I feel like you there's got something that, you're, about expo- your patient zero. You've been. Exposed I think to I might zero. be. <laughs> I might you work be. for you work for one of the largest research universities oh, in the country. Fuck. I do. So you can't just come out here and be like, "Oh, I'm feeling my brain's feeling foggy today." Get the fuck away from me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I feel I feel like with each passing year, like people are just getting dumber and dumber on the whole and like more there I, I feel like i feel like the humanity is become is starting to mirror the zombies of like the 60s and 70s films more and more with each year i mean we're, they're not covered in blood but like i don't know just think about how people behave during the pandemic there's a life-threatening <laughs> illness going around and motherfuckers are like making adult humans are making a show of 
not wearing a mask in public and how it's ridiculous to ask someone to do that. I don't know. We might not be turning into flesh-eating zombies, but a lot of us don't really seem to care if if others die uh, because of their laziness. So what you're trying to say is, we are the walking dead. Yeah, I guess. Iconic, I don't know. Just, iconic, I, iconic moment for my Walking Dead. Actually, I don't know if that was in the show, but for my Walking Dead comic fans out there. Does somebody literally say the title? Oh, yeah. It's a whole fucking splash page, like probably six volumes into the comic. I fucking that's what that, that shit means? up when I read it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that was the in- original intention, but it's certainly a huge like story beat that a character comes to that conclusion. Wow. So, so whenever I see The Walking Dead, it's about us, like we're dead men walking. That's at least one way to interpret it. Well, I mean, it's uh, I had never thought about it. I always took for granted yeah. that means they're dead people, but they're walking. But it's saying the survivors are mm-hmm. walking yeah, dead. Yeah, like, like, like Jack Nicholson, you will die someday, Chris. <laughs> You are the Walking Dead. Yeah. Well. Oh. Yeah. I. I. I sorry. I was so distracted. I was so distracted by that basketball comment because he's like 86. Is all I'm saying. And I just know I'm one day I'm going to wake up to an Apple News notification. And yes, you will. You absolutely will. And if I mean, unless you to, die before him, yeah, which if would you continue be odd. to live, there but will be a day that you wake up and Jack Nicholson is no longer with us. It's, it's going to be a. It's going to be a surreal day. It's going to be a surreal day. But it's like you think about that. You look these people up, and like some of these people are just kind of like cryogenically frozen. Like like Jack Nicholson retired from acting, you know, years ago. So a lot of these people are sort of frozen in our memory. But Jack Nicholson was playing old guys in the 90s. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, there's like a whole class of actor that I feel that way about. I mean, like fucking Ed Harris has been old for so goddamn long. Mm -hmm. You know, like Ian McKellen has been old for, you know, as long as I've been alive. There's a lot of dudes like that Mm -hmm. at this point. We saw saw a recent photo of Lance Henriksen. Oh, my God. Uh, Talk about cryogenically a, if, frozen. If you took a picture of Lance Henriksen a thousand years from now, he'd probably look the same <laughs> as in this photo we saw from a couple of weeks ago. Um, but he's another guy who's like he's been old since he's been old since the eighties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um. So yeah, God bless. God bless these people passing through. I guess I don't know. I don't know what to say. God bless these old white men. <laughs> Yeah. Well, anyways, one cut. Anyways, of the, well, I almost just called it one cut of the dead. Holy I shit! Have, I haven't seen one Don't cut you? of the dead yet. Oh, it's a delight. I'm a bad. It's really fan. fun. I I recommend it. Yeah, I saw it like <laughs> I saw it like two or three times within the first I don't know a couple months that. I saw it for the first time. Mm-hmm. I think I watched it, and then we watched it with the group. Yeah, the spoop group, like right afterward. And yeah, I must have watched it again soon after that. And but I think that, I, it's that good. Well, I showed it. I watched it by myself, I think, and then I showed it to Allison with Y on our own, and then watched it with the group all in like very quick succession. Something I thought was cute about Zom One Hundred, and maybe this is in other movies, but I, I noticed it was there seemed to be a lot of zombies that were like wearing work uniforms <laughs> and like they they you could tell what their occupation was and sometimes they were still in the same place when is when they got infected hanging out and yeah, I Yeah, you go that. to the you, you go to the love hotel and it's all these people walking around like in their underwear half naked. 
Yeah, there's that. But there's also just like in the crowds. Because like, I mean, obviously when yeah. you have sets like, oh, this we're going to the zombie brothel, you're going to see zombie naked people. But when you are just in the city center and you see like a guy who's like a Uber Eats delivery man. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was an interesting little detail. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, isn't that, that's kind of the one of the like biggest themes of the movie, right? Is that like... Like, if, if zombies were real, they wouldn't be all that different from, like, people who are, like, slaves to their employer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and mean, Which is not terribly cool profound, that but that reflected. is a cool, it's a cute detail, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, like, because we, you know, we see zombie hordes, and, like, you know, we saw Army of the Dead, a movie that I liked, and it has, you know, hordes of thousands of zombies, and they're all just wearing, like, gray shirts, and then they're all just, like, copy and paste, you know, they had 20 zombies on set, and they made it look like a crowd of a thousand in the computer. This actually has a whole bunch of distinct zombies with some personality to them, and I thought that was that was cute. Nice little touch. If I have mm-hmm. to watch a zombie movie, I like to have, like, have, a, have a little thing to connect with the individual zombies with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun. Also, this this woman, this this the third friend who shows up, has the biggest eyes I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> Wait, bigger than Alita Battle Angel produced? Well, it was Alita adjacent. That's that's why I noticed it. And I was like, for a second, like, are these CGI eyes? No, they're not. Um, And I'm a little, I'm a little baffled by that. So, wow, I did not notice. I didn't clock that either. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just an optical illusion, but I found myself staring at her eyes and her face a lot. Maybe, maybe just thought she was pretty. I thought she was pretty. I'm not ashamed to admit. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit that one of the biggest superstars in the world or something, <laughs> model, singer, actress. Yeah, she's pretty. Is she? Uh, oh, is she a big deal? I didn't really look up the actors. Um, she was in one of those pop groups in Japan that has a rotating door oh. of, of women in it. Mm-hmm. And then she rotated out to, to, to go on to the next league. Mm. The now next she's league. Actress. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. Also, speaking of speaking of money, speaking of success, this might be the most expensive movie we've watched for this podcast. Really? I don't know. Um, what else? I mean, it's obviously a huge budget movie, right? I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say so. No, it's a huge, but no. Let's see. I don't know. I don't know if I'm good at that in general, but. I mean the the production values of this movie are are through the roof. It's like it's like a blockbuster movie. Yeah. You, there's some, you know, there's some rough edges where you can tell it's not like a you know, actual big like Marvel movie or something, but there's a lot of production value, lots of extras, lots of sets, lots of action, especially in the end of the movie. It felt bigger than I expected for this kind of movie. Um, mm-hmm. even for like a Netflix original, because sometimes those wind up looking like fake movies or, or what they, one of my podcasts I listen to calls them secret movies, mm-hmm. um, which is like the kind of stuff that Bruce Willis was in before he became too ill to, to work. Mm. But it didn't look like massive to me. I don't know. Well, it's also two hours and eight minutes. So one of the longer movies we've watched for the show. Yeah, it's, I was gonna, it's too long for sure. my review is Zom 100 minutes too long. <laughs> well damn yeah. i don't know <laughs> well, go ahead 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's very episodic. It feels very, like, sort of vignette particularly in the middle. You know, there's a big um, kind of plotty third act, and it feels like they didn't necessarily know quite what to do between the setup and the big third act. And it just kind of, it's a bit of a hang for a while, which I enjoyed, um, but also can, <laughs> you know, you, you, you could have cut, a, a chunk of that hang and made this a, a breezier movie and probably not lost anything of too great significance. I it's, this is like your response to the way of water because I like the hang. I would have cut the end. Mm, interesting. Which we'll talk about the end is. Yeah, actually I'm, I think I'm with you, Chris. I didn't like either that much, but if I could take one or the other, I would definitely cut the last act of this movie. Hmm. I found by by that point, I'm like, okay, well, I think I know exactly where this is going. And sure enough, it followed pretty much beat to beat what I expected. And it just felt tedious. And of course, by that point, I was like, after kind of the language, not language the wrong word, but the meandering pace of everything that led up to it, I'm like, oh, come on. You, you have not earned kind of resetting the thrust of this movie this late in the game for me. Hmm. Mm. I, that's interesting. I, I There were a few twists there that definitely surprised and almost, I would say, delighted me. But we can, I think, that's probably uh, spoiler that's room spoiler material, yeah, for sure. Spoiler yes. aquarium territory. <laughs> well, yeah. speaking of which, uh, I don't know. Do we have anything else to say before we review it and go down to that spoiler? Uh, a, a spoiler room, I guess. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't um, think so. You know, it's fundamentally like you know fairly slight. I think we've hit the main beats before we go to the aquarium. All right. Well, would you like to give us your review, Patrick? Would you view it, cue it, or screw it? Yeah, I'll give it a view. It. I had a good time with it. Um, you know, again, it uh, probably could have been tightened up a bit, but it's enjoyable, sunny, fun take on a pretty tired genre. Um, I had, and it, it may have even been helped by this, but I certainly had low expectations going in, or just very like blah, like flatline expectations. Um, so maybe that helped it. But I had a good time with it. It's a uh, it's an inoffensive film, and it's a it's a good time, even if it's a bit too long. Steven. I love an inoffensive film. Now, it's funny because that's exactly the word I was going to use. Like, I don't want to give this a screw it because I think its heart is definitely in the right place, even though I found it cheesy. I found the characters, most of the central cast, quite annoying these manic pixie dream people that you often get in manga adaptations, um, very exaggerated expressions. And um, I, I don't know, like that stuff just isn't for me, but I thought, Honestly, when this movie started, I thought it was going to be a little more like YA. I don't know what this was rated, but I thought, oh, this is probably like for like a 11 or 12 year old, you know, who can handle a little bit of gore. This might be a good time, you know, might show them something they haven't seen before. Uh, they might get hit in the feels with the romance and everything. But then there's like hand jobs in the love hotel in this, and it does get <laughs> quite graphic. And I, I don't know who this movie was made for. So I'll give it a, I guess I'll give it a cue it. Like it didn't, it didn't offend me. If anything that we've said, like sounds intriguing to you, go for it. But, but if you read the premise and see the poster and watch the first like 20 minutes of this movie and think that like you could show this to your kid, I would advise you against it. Just a little public, public service. Oh yeah. Not a kitty, kitty film. Yeah. Was there a hand job? I missed the hand job, I guess. Oh oh, yeah. With the flight attendants, which also, if you can only think of 14 things to write on your bucket list, 
Wine in Dinah Flight Attendant is high on the list, and I want to understand the psychology behind that. Well, he's an incel. <laughs> Yo, that would be on my yeah, bucket list. Like, if you give me, I, I would probably put that on a list of, like, mm, at least 200. There's just a mystique to that, I think. But yeah, but but wine and dine. I don't. But there is also something that's like sw- kind of like sweetly innocent about that too. I don't know why I'm hung up on that detail. But but yes, that is where we get the hand job, uh, the 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 double hand job in this uh, movie. Chris, would you view Cure Screw Zom 100? I I'm I'm with you. I'm gonna give it a cue it. I guess. <laughs> and I, <laughs> a I defeated ar- cue it. I arrive at that because. I wasn't mad about watching it. It didn't really bother me. I didn't find the viewing experience unpleasant. I found the viewing experience more or less pleasant. But, like, it's like, I I almost don't want to say screw it, because if you put this in your queue... The way I use my cue, like, I don't have time to watch a movie like this when I got other shit, like One Cut of the Dead still in my cue. Um, (laughs) So I would say for most people, you can put it in your cue, but I don't expect you to watch it. But I I don't want to say screw it to this movie, because like you said, I think that its heart's in the right place. Um, It it had enough cute moments and some things I hadn't seen before that I'm like, oh, all right. Um, So while I more or less liked it. It's not a movie I'm ever going to watch again. And it's probably not a movie I'm ever going to think about again, except for I'm going to remember the monster at the end. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to remember how big that girl's eyes were. (laughs) <laughs> would it be would it be fair to say because we do philosophize about the 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 rating system that we have would it be fair to say that it's a cue it for people who like zombie movies and who gravitate toward the genre that's kind of where my head was at when i was thinking of how to rate it yeah for sure but i, I can't really get into the head of that kind of person because if you're as i mean if you're a zombie <laughs> who would I mean, want to but <laughs> if if you like zombies enough this is probably a view it because it's different probably than a lot of shit you've seen and you know Hmm. But I don't know. There's, I think there's enough zombie action and zombie set pieces too that a zombie fan would think it was fun. And also, Chris, like I said, no guns or anything, so that's that's fresh. Yeah, Chris, I, I feel like uh, I feel like time may tell on what you said about that. You think you'll never think about this again because earlier today we were talking about a, a friend who's having some some work troubles, and you said they need to watch Zom 100, and I feel like that's going to become a meme. <laughs> Because it because it, it was a good joke. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. The, the the theme of this movie is don't take any shit from your boss. Yeah. Because to to and they say this explicitly. Like, what's the line, Patrick? Uh, I don't know. They're they're because you said what it to line? me at that at that time. You were oh like, yeah. oh right right yeah um yeah I yeah what it, does he say? It's something like if. Uh, if I can't do the things I want, I might as well be uh, torn apart by zombies or something like that. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So it's like if, if you're gonna be if you're gonna have a terrible job and a boss that doesn't respect you, you might as well be eaten by a zombie. Yeah. And they they say that they say something like that verbatim. In the yeah. Movie. I'm living the Zom 100 lifestyle from here on out. Yeah, it's like Billy Joel says: "Don't take any shit from anybody." Hell yeah. 
All right. Well, we're about to go down to the spoiler aquarium and uh, submerge ourselves in all the details of the ending of this movie. But before we do that, let me remind you that we are on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and the site formerly known as Twitter under the handle AmonCast, E-H-M-O-N, cast. So if you want to reach out to us, between episodes you can do that there but we'd prefer you to join our discord community which there's a link to that in the show notes it's a little online community where people who listen to the show gather and discuss films and games and they go to steven's book club and they uh keep in touch and and we like hearing from y'all there and, and kind of discussing the movies with you in between episodes you can also go to our broken website every horror movie on netflix.com and see if it's working <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. Uh, We have a link to a merch store there where we have t-shirts and things of that nature if you're so inclined. So, without any further ado, we're going to take a quick break for a few seconds. And then when we come back, we're going to spoil everything about ZOM 100, Bucket List of the Dead. Stick around. So Matthew Stafford left us after, I don't know, five years or so on Detroit when we were a middling team, and he went to L.A. and won a Super Bowl his first year as their quarterback, and now it's a couple years later, and he's coming back to Detroit to try to stop us from making it farther in the playoffs. That motherfucker. Anyway, let's talk about ZOM 100. I was going to say, it seems like we'd rather talk about anything, but we have an assignment to finish. All right. It's a football movie, though. This is is Jermaine. It's true. Yeah. Keep it all in. (laughs) Welcome back. We're down here in the Spoiler Aquarium to talk about everything related to ZOM 100. And yes, Pat, like Patrick just said, it was a football football (laughs) movie. So we're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about Lions. We're going to talk about the Rams. I want to talk about Packers and Cowboys, too. I we should have put some money on the outcome of Zom 100. Like we should have stopped it at like the one hour fifteen minute mark and and placed some fucking bets. I would have lost my I would have lost my money because I was sure that one of these three lead characters was going to be zombified by the end of this movie. Oh. Really? I didn't. I see when I said this movie's heart was in its right place. That's kind of what I meant. I knew they were all getting through, but I thought the the sinister boss was going to eat it. I thought for sure they'd at least. I would have. I would have put the odds on the sinister boss eating it at minus nine hundred. Oh. I would have put the odds on all three of the character main characters surviving. I would put those odds at plus six hundred. Well, there is a moment where they try to make us think very lazily and very briefly that the best friend died. And if you, okay. and if, oh if yeah, you, but that was <laughs> he got ragdolled, but it was so clear he didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> and if you go to DraftKings and put in the promo code Amon, you'll get twenty five dollars free credit on your first I, I, bet. <laughs> I don't know if we can say that. I don't know if we can fuck around with that. It's probably a gaming board violation. Anyway. I mean, we've fucked around with hymns before. <laughs> yeah, but that's less small regulated. potatoes. That's that's pharma. Small potatoes, big penis. Pharma is less regulated than gambling. <laughs> anyway oh my god uh but yeah we, the reason we say it's a football movie is because that's the that's sort of the subplot going on with uh our hero tendo and his best friend 
And you may be wondering, how do I remember the lead character's name in this movie? Well, that's... I, I can I, never remember the lead it's character's It's also not his any first movie. name, but yeah, I his think name the is Japanese... Com- I, I couldn't remember. I thought the Japanese convention was, like, reversed from how our yeah, names were. Yeah, his, his, his name in Japanese would be Tendo Akira, which we would say Akira Tendo. So Tendo is his last oh, name. He does okay. get called by, by both in the, in the movie. But, He's called Tendo yeah. a lot. And, and the reason yeah. I, re- I, re- I remembered it is because of Nintendo. Oh, yeah, me too. Because mm. I but I remembered Tendo. Akira yeah. because of Akira. So, yeah. mm-hmm. right. <laughs> okay. Well, he and his best friend used to, I think this might, they might've even to gone to college in the United States of America. I'm not sure, but they definitely played football, American football, not soccer together in the United States. Or, or they played on a team in college and they almost made it to the championship. And Tendo's best friend just, uh, he delayed on throwing that ball and got sacked. And that was the end of the prospects of actually he fumbled. He got, he fumbled and then they <laughs> ran it. They ran it in. I think. Yeah. I wonder, wonder what the odds on that were. <laughs> um, it was like that Michigan, Michigan state game a few years ago. Yeah. Put that in the show notes. Anyway. Um, oh, pe- people who need to know will still remember that one. Anyway, <laughs> See, then no people didn't know we were jocks. yeah that's the real spoiler people didn't know that we go to buffalo wild wings every sunday and saturday and watch all the games i mean for our listeners though i would say 90 percent of the chat on our our break that we took for ourselves was these two talking about betting on sports you guys are jobs anyway i I contain multitudes i'm a well-rounded individual like Bob Dylan. Yes. Anyway. You're like Anne Frank. You're like Indiana Jones. <laughs> Is that a line from that song? Yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Wow. That's right. They can't all be winners. No. If Roger Waters said that, they'd have his ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, but back to football, though. I thought it was interesting that that was such a big thing in, in this movie, because I didn't really think Japan was into American football. And I, it's something I kind of want to take a quick Google on, which I didn't do before the episode, but that's, that was just interesting to me that that played such a big role in this movie. Cause I didn't really think they gave a shit about that sport. Well, I'm disappointed in you, Patrick, because I, as our, as our Japanese correspondent, <laughs> I thought you might have some more insight into some of the, the cultural specificities of this movie that I found Fascinating. One, yeah, the obsession mm. with football, um, American football specifically. Uh, Akira is wearing a Packers shirt for much of the film. Mm. He's also – did he – he apparently went to Yale or at least fetishizes Yale. Uh, he, one of the first things on his bucket list is to, like, travel in an RV, and he finds a Winnebago at one mm-hmm. point. I'm like, is his bucket list just – like, does he just want to be American? Is is that his ultimate goal in life? I found it so interesting, sort of the fetishization of of American culture, which, you know, I mean, even even going back to like early Simpsons was kind of like an inappropriate sort of racist joke about Japanese culture. But I, I just like wonder how much truth there is to that. Um, I think there's a common perception over here that there's like a very healthy interchange between the two cultures. But I think certainly at this point we've absorbed so much more from them and 
uh, I don't know if I want to say fetishize, but certainly just like uh, crave, consume their culture um, way mm. more than they do ours at this point. I mean, I think, you know, we, we certainly exerted way more influence uh, decades ago, like immediately post-World War II. But I, it was interesting to me, especially when I was over there, because I sort of expected to see more more of our stuff over there mixed in with theirs. But I, I just, yeah. Not as much as I think most Americans might think. But again, that's also just my perception from being there for, you know, nine days or whatever. So I may be off, but my perception is not as not as much as we would think and not as much as Akira seems to fetishize American culture in this movie. But then again, I don't know. That's an interesting thing, too, because like normally you would expect a Netflix original anime adaptation i don't know i think of like fucking death note or one piece where it's an anime adaptation but it's in english and not necessarily starring japanese actors but this is you know uh filmed in japan filmed in japanese um i forget if the writer director appeared to be japanese but this feels very much like a japanese film so i don't know it is i i what from what i'm understanding based on the wikipedia for zom 100 like all of it, all the ZOM 100. Um, mm-hmm. When it gets to the movie, it says it's licensed by Netflix. So I right. don't know if they paid for this. I mean, I don't know if they if they like actually produced it or not. Mm-hmm. It didn't didn't seem like it to me. You're right. That is a, an important distinction um, that that uh, that makes it differ from some of their other manga adaptations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I'll give, I'll give the... it a point for that just for sticking to you know, the actual culture that the source material hails from. Yeah. Well, and I think there's a lot of like adaptations that are not, I mean, live action in addition to the many anime adaptations over there, I think there are a lot of live action movies like this that don't even get over here. So I think this is just, you know, fairly, you know, par for the course for their pop culture. And then Netflix decided to pick this particular one up. It appears the creative team all has Japanese names. So I think it's very much a Japanese film. It's weird how little information there is about this movie online. Though. I know. I can yeah. find almost nothing. I was yeah. looking into that because when I saw the production values of this movie, I was like, this looks like a movie that would have been released theatrically in Japan mm-hmm. and probably been semi big deal. It lo- Cause it, I don't know. It looks like fucking blue beetle or whatever the hell we get over here. And it is, it's right on that level. Right? Like <laughs> mid, mid budget blockbuster. And, yeah. And then, yeah. and then I looked it up and yeah, I couldn't find anything about it other than it was released onto Netflix um, or distributed by Netflix. So who knows? We we are dumb. This is not a show you come on to to learn about movies, foreign film, the international film marketplace. We, <laughs> just learn where to place your bets. We just look at <laughs> we just look at Wikipedia and tell you what it says. That's why I always say Wikipedia. Like I'm never going to pretend that I've done deep research. <laughs> we cannot <laughs> pretend. <laughs> oh, okay. It, uh, interesting fact about this movie, and it's, I'm reading something from the first paragraph of Wikipedia. <laughs> all, our, all our listeners have already read. Yeah, it's incorrect. No, I, it's Wikipedia I do have vandalism. Another- <laughs> I do have another cultural question for, for Patrick, though, who will speak for all of Japanese culture from here on out on the podcast. Is 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 Don Quixote an actual yes uh, drug chain? It is okay. Is I, I went wondered, to one. It fucking rules. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, I was wondering, I wondering if that was if just an illusion. 
an illusion. Yes, I was like, is are they trying to say he's like Don Quixote? He's tilting windmills. He thinks he can save the world, but he's crazy. Or maybe this is all like a vision in his head. He blacked out at work because he's worked like seven days in a row or something. And we're going to get a Jacob's Ladder rug pull. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's 100% okay. real. It's a chain. Um, they're known for just being huge and having fucking everything. And then the one I went into was like four stories or something and just all kinds of random shit in there. I got some some tasty Kit Kats while I was there, but there was a whole lot of other shit that I never would have dreamed of being in there. So yeah, very much a real thing. Well, well, back to spoilers. Um, Actually, one, can I add one more note from, yeah. from my time? Because this I thought about when he goes to rescue um, Kencho, I think is his buddy, right? Is that his name? Don't Sounds remember right. anyone else's name. Yeah, he goes to rescue his buddy from the the love hotel that we mentioned before, um, and and he goes to this area that actually was pretty near one of the places I stayed, which is called Kabuki Cho, which is like kind of honestly known as like the one seedy, like kind of dangerous place in Tokyo because it's generally known to be a pretty safe um, city. But it was interesting to see him go there because the the seedy vibe uh, is is very real and again even just the like the costuming everybody was dressed up like they were out for like a a kind of risque night out and it was all uh very on point so that was a detail i enjoyed but anyways Mm -hmm. yes spoilers well i want to get back to spoilers because steven mentioned something that that comes up later on but they they go to uh basically they decide they're going to go to this aquarium now uh they have different motivations for going to this aquarium uh tendo or akira and his friend are going because uh tendo and i call it tendo because through the last quarter of this movie people yell tendo at him they do (laughs) i got confused i was like wait i thought i knew his name (laughs) yeah uh but he he has decided that he wants to be a superhero that's on his bucket list yeah. He wants to be a superhero and who saves save the world. Everybody. Yeah, he wants yeah. to be a superhero who saves the world. So I'm like, oh, I'm I'm interested in seeing where this goes. He's decided that a way to do that is to drive across Japan to the aquarium that's on the coast where and they get a have, shark suit. Yeah, they have a suit that is resistant to shark bites, and so he can wear this suit, and then the zombies won't be able to infect him. He can fight all the zombies with an advantage. So along the way, they pick up uh, this this young woman who's you know uh, they actually call her Mila Jovovich in this movie. Yes. Oh yeah, funny. <laughs> I only wrote one note during this movie. <laughs> the most beautiful woman in the world, according to you, Chris, right? Yeah, yeah, and and the second most beautiful in the w- woman in the world is the one who plays this character. So the, mo- <laughs> the most beautiful woman in the world who is also proficient at killing zombies and goes along for the ride and she wants to get to the aquarium because she's heard it's like a safe place to go um so as they go to the aquarium oh there's a trap oh their tire gets blown out and then we think that maybe it's all been a dream because tendo wakes up in his office seemingly from the beginning of the movie and his project manager from the beginning of the movie is yelling at him and we think it was all just a dream that's that's what Stephen was saying about Don Quixote and, and wondering if this is mm-hmm. all a, a fantasy. Turns out, no. Turns out the project manager, psychopath that he is, has <laughs> just created his a compound at this aquarium where he has recreated his capitalist empire from before <laughs> only now he's at the top of it and he's running the place as a as a work camp uh for what purpose it's very unclear except that everyone has to work 
because that's the rule. And well, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of they're they're trying to maintain a civilization, except it all serves him. Like everybody else has to eat shit, and he eats like a fucking gourmet meal. Like he's yeah, just like re- recreating. Pat. It's <laughs> what? Well, it's like it's like Project Pat says: buying you Taco Bell, but a pimp eats steak, cornbread, collard greens, chitterlings on his plate. Oh my god! <laughs> it's just like that. It's just it's so like uncanny. that. It's just like that. <laughs> So, yeah, so so they all end up in in <laughs> servitude. And, you broke Patrick. <laughs> what? And, um, so they they all end up in servitude and then you know, we have two things going on. Basically a drama about whether Tendo is going to learn that there's more to life than the workplace because he kind of very quickly falls back in line of just oh, I I'm a working boy now. Uh and, oh, and then also crazy action scenes because zombies infect the compound a great white shark becomes infected with the zombie <laughs> virus and that all has to be managed and who better to manage it than the our hero who has decided he's going to save everybody and happens to be in the place where his shark suit the shark suit that he wanted mm-hmm. is now the but shark- yeah, he he buys back into fucking whatever the supervisor's name is, his whole bullshit, because the supervisor's like, I can protect you. This is the only place that you're going to be yeah. safe. And I- he wants to keep his friends safe, too. So he's like, we got we to gotta earn our keep. I'll, I'll take the bullet for us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, he t- and he tells him that thing employer say where he's like, you know, you... I can see you going places in this organization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. I, I liked that whole twist. I didn't necessarily expect that character to come back. I thought that was just the setup, but I liked that he kind of came back and, and was the megalomaniacal villain in the end game of all this. And I also thought it was pretty clever that he had just gone back to his, you know, manipulative authoritarian ways um, in a completely different setting. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's interesting because it kind of like what Chris was saying earlier. I felt like that that was really where I was like, oh, maybe this is all a dream. It seems so odd that like that dude in, in in like seven days after the zombie apocalypse, that dude has managed to like build his own little empire in this aquarium with <laughs> all of his former underlings. It just seemed kind of kind of surreal, kind of Gilliam esque to me mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, but unexpected for sure. So I'll give it points for that. Yeah, I mean, this movie is is heightened reality all around. Um, I mean, yeah, there's a there's a fucking zombie shark moments after that. Who like? And I don't I, I don't know if this is explained in the dialogue, but it grows human legs. I don't know why the fuck oh, it no, did no, that. No, that was like my favorite part of the movie because the shark is oh, it was mine just, too. Yeah, just swimming around in the tank and it eats a number of people inside the tank, including yeah. a couple scuba divers. And then it comes out of the tank, and I was like, "Oh God, it's a zombie shark!" And they're like, "Oh wait, it's shark out of water. Don't it's not what, what the fuck is it gonna do?" And then all the people it ate who are zombies pushed their legs through the bottom of the shark, including the divers still wearing their fins. <laughs> And the shark is able to walk around like a centipede using like 12 different legs from all its victims. Well, and it was a particular delight for me because as y'all know, as y'all longtime listeners know, when we first started doing the whole A to Z Netflix movies thing, I was very excited about the completely impossible um, final stop on our journey, which was to watch Zombies. That was the last 
uh, movie alphabetically in the Netflix catalog at that time. We never got to it. I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. But I felt like I got a little little taste of some zombies with this crazy ass zombie shark. Oh, a little bit of Avalanche Sharks energy too. Yeah, as far as kind of going going off the rails with the the shark thing, which I'm uh, I'm so sick of. Like when I said earlier in the show that there's nothing in this that I haven't seen before. Okay, I've not seen exactly this before, but there is a movie called Zombie Shark. Like, of course, that's that's gonna happen. And um, I don't know. And it looked it looked bad, but the 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 legs give it a little little extra oomph. I guess I can let it slide for that. That yeah. was kind of a nice touch. <laughs> well, you don't have to let it slide. It can walk. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The legs were such a deranged touch. And I mean, I, I haven't read the the manga, but there was so much in this that was just like, oh, this, this is straight manga shit right here. Yeah. Like, that's just the crazy shit they'd come up with. And it just felt direct, like... It had the feeling of being just directly adapted from the manga in that moment. Mm-hmm. I was speaking with a friend of mine today who I'm not sure if he read the manga, but he certainly at least saw the anime or, or parts of it. And it sounds like this movie hits a lot of the same beats as the manga and the mm-hmm. anime. Um, it, it, pretty much everything I referred to when I was telling him about this movie was something that had come up. Some stuff is, is combined. Like I think the aquarium and the guy running their van off the road and reestablishing his empire are like two different scenarios in mm-hmm. this, in the, in the oh, anime, okay. but it's the one in this movie. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, for the most part, all that works. And I liked the moral dilemma that our hero finds himself in at the end where he's back in the workplace. I mean, that's that's good shit. And the zombie shark's good and some action. You know, you have to see this 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 capitalist empire crumble. You have to see it all come down. But then it just it goes on 30 minutes longer than you need it to. And it starts to just become like a superhero action movie, which is not what I need at this point, because I'm invested enough in the characters in the sappy drama around these guys. I don't need to see the guy literally put on a superhero suit and punch sharks. <laughs> I and thought it was a lot of that. I thought it was fun. It it did feel like maybe a bridge too far, but I don't know. I thought it was fun. It didn't feel like it went on that long to me. I I was a little worried that we were getting in for like a really extended shark fight sequence, and it was to me not too long. If I'm honest. During the last 25 minutes of this movie, I started scrubbing to make it go faster. I'm like, this is just like I just had a sense of where it was going. I mean, I know everything that happened. You can quiz me on it. But like, it just felt like this is too, there are, there are like 20 minutes left in this movie. And I'm pretty sure I know how it's going to end. And it just felt like tedious to me. I was ready to cry. I thought it was going to end with one of them becoming a zombie or maybe them all deciding they wanted to all be zombies together rather than do anything else. Um, They are kind of a thruple, so that would make sense if they all kind (laughs) of kind of took it at once so Hmm. i don't know but the ending did surprise me in that regard that was a little more optimistic than i had bargained for especially because like you know he saves all the horrible people and everything um and i didn't fast forward but i did like close my eyes a little bit and then wake up and you know we're a little bit farther along. <laughs> oh my god! You that's, guys. That's, that's the uh, the the analog way to do it. Yeah, the analog way to scrub. <laughs> I paused it when I was falling asleep, and I took a nice nap, and then finished it. Mm, wow. I, I I did. I was compelled by like sort of the the politics of this situation at the end. And again, you know, whatever. This is not fucking uh, tar or whatever. 
but um <laughs> what an, i wish it were of all the movies to compare to. <laughs> um but it was it was compelling to me that like you know this guy feels liberated solely by the fact that society has fallen apart and then at the first sign of some degree of social order it's like oh shit i better get in line again you know uh. and i and i feel like that's so true and i liked that the 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 way we all fall in line with the systems we live under and 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 i liked that it it wound up with him duly rejecting that system and saying no fuck this fuck your dumb mini little dictatorship that you've created i'm still gonna go cross items off my bucket list yep and that's your movie they all ride off in the sunset in the Winnebago to do more things on their bucket list. Mm-hmm. What's the thing that Tendo adds to his bucket list? That's a big reveal. He's going to become a doctor and save lots of lives. No, that's that's no. Milovich. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What is his? It's related to the superhero. Why don't you, thing, why don't you, isn't why don't you, why don't you scrub to that? Uh, scrub to that. <laughs> why don't you go fuck yourself? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, something related to the superhero. It's, 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 I don't know. It's like he, as he crosses off, I want to be a superhero and save everybody. And then he like writes down, like, I want to be a superhero as a full-time job or something. Oh, I think it is literally that. Yeah. I want being a superhero to be my full-time job it, it is, is the gist of it. And it's kind of sad because it's like, why don't like, you scrub to it, Chris? Hold on. Let I got to pick the next movie. I'm finding got, it right I'm now. Just, close, close, close your eyes for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah that was literally it make being a superhero my new job make being a superhero my new job which is kind of sad because like this movie veers into being trying to be like a franchise superhero movie in the last 15 minutes and it feels like sort of a like this is this movie's a lot more special to me than a superhero movie but it seems like if they make a second one, they're just going to try to make it be a superhero movie. Or maybe it's the filmmaker being like, look, I made my little mid-budget Netflix action movie. Give me the, get, let me make Iron Man 4 now. Well, I wonder how <laughs> much the, that's a literal translation. You know, I mean, superhero yeah. might be more of them trying to put it in, in terms that we can recognize. And superhero is a term that at this point carries a lot of baggage over here. That's um, a good point. Deserve that's or not. That's a smart take. I well, and I'm not saying that's that's true. I actually have no idea like uh, how much they would use the term superhero the way we do. But I just wonder with a lot of stuff in here, anything there's something that seems a little clunky or or awkward. I wonder if it's a a translation issue. Mm-hmm. Chris, what are we watching next time? Well, guys, there's there's a lot of very enticing titles on Netflix right now that titles that just make me say what, and that I want to pick as, as a meme, but uh, we are going to watch look away. Look away. I love a title that is an instruction. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I like to be told what to do. I'm very look subservient away. in that way. I know. I love it too. This is about, Alienated at home and in high school, a teenage girl finds an unlikely confidant in the mirror and decides to switch places with her sinister reflection. <laughs> yes, we've seen it before. <laughs> sure, we've seen that. But movie have you before. seen it with <laughs> Jason well, I don't know Isaacs? What this movie's gonna add. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, Probably Kane. as a dad. 
Oh, okay. Or maybe he's the sinister reflection. Oh, okay. I've been weirdly obsessed with him for the last week or so. He's great. He's going to be on the new season of White Lotus. Oh, that's right. So cool. All right. Well, that'll be in two weeks. We'll be watching Look Away. Until then, like I said, check us out on social media at Amoncast or join the conversation on Discord. Until the next time, for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Steven. See you later. Later.